Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Friday, May 19th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. New Philadelphia, Illinois, about three hours north of St. Louis, made history nearly 200 years ago as the first town legally registered by a formerly enslaved person. Now, the historic site has become the 424th National Park in the U.S. The National Park Service is in the forever business. So while New Philadelphia had a moment where it could have gone away and been forgotten, Now it never will be forgotten. St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson will have that story in just a few minutes. Missouri Governor Mike Parson will announce a new St. Louis Circuit Attorney today. The announcement will come a few days after Kim Gardner resigned. The governor's office says there were 18 applicants for the job. Parson has stated he wants a top prosecutor in the city who has a commitment to the rule of law, a member of the St. Louis community, and a significant amount of managerial experience. The successful applicant will serve until the end of next year, but could run for the office in the 2024 elections. St. Louis Alderwoman Kara Spencer plans to introduce her legislation to restrict open carry firearms in the city to the Board of Aldermen today. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports. The bill would make it illegal to openly display a firearm within city limits unless that person has a valid concealed carry permit or endorsement from Missouri or another state. People would need to display such a permit if asked by a police officer while openly carrying. Ward 8 Alderwoman Kara Spencer is the bill's sponsor and says it's meant to reduce the number of guns that are visible on city streets. The amount of violence that comes out of that is astronomically more pronounced. The use of a weapon is so much higher in somebody who has it in their hand rather than somebody who has it in their hand. Spencer says Missouri state statutes are clear in allowing any local jurisdiction to prohibit the open carrying of firearms, except for those who have a concealed carry permit. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. The commissioner of St. Louis's Division of Civilian Oversight has resigned. The Post-Dispatch reports Matthew Brummond is stepping down because of transparency and access concerns. The division investigates police misconduct and jail complaints. It was established last year. The newspaper reports a meeting is set for Monday to discuss the future of the board that deals with jail complaints. Today is supposed to be the last session day for Illinois lawmakers, but as Alex Dagman reports, it will take a bit longer to push a state budget over the finish line. Lawmakers missed a key deadline to move budget bills. Any measure that passes out of one chamber needs to be read in the other on three different days, and so far that hasn't happened. Budget discussions have intensified in recent weeks with both the governor's office and the legislature's forecasting arm revising next year's revenue estimates downward. At the same time, lawmakers are grappling over health care for undocumented immigrants. Proponents want to expand the Medicaid-style program to cover adults 19 and older. But multiple projections show the program already costs far more than expected. Lawmakers technically have until June 30th to approve a budget, though if they go into June, the voting threshold required for passage gets higher. I'm Alex Dagman. Missouri Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe says he would consider backing anti-discrimination protections for the LGBTQ community. Kehoe is running in a Republican gubernatorial primary against Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft and potentially State Senator Bill Eigel. He says that he is opposed to abortion rights and supports barring gender-affirming care to minors. 
Pompeo adds he is open to giving people recourse if they are fired or denied housing because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Many Republicans claim to be Christians, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up and says, I think my relationship should be with the same gender sex, and all of a sudden we say, you know, those people are no good. We're not the judge or the jury. No Democrat has officially announced for governor. A 27-foot replica of the Statue of Liberty is at its new home in Saget after a thousand-mile cross-country journey. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the statue will be installed at the National Building Arts Center in the Metro East. The statue, called Little Liberty, was made more than a century ago and for the last 20 years has been at the Brooklyn Museum. That museum now focuses on other types of art and gave the 8,500-pound piece to the National Building Arts Center for free. Michael Allen is the director of the museum, which collects historic building artifacts. He says he hopes once the statue is placed on a custom 20-foot pedestal, it will attract visitors to learn about preservation. So having this likeness is a boon for any institution that's calling itself the home of where you can learn about the nation's building traditions, but it's also a very interesting example of pressed metal. Allen says the statue attracted attention as it traveled down Interstate 70, with people posting pictures of Little Liberty on Reddit and other social media platforms. I'm Sarah Fentum, St. Louis Public Radio. A small Pike County, Illinois town rich in history is making headlines nearly 200 years after it was founded. New Philadelphia became the first town legally registered by a formerly enslaved person in 1836. Recently, the site became the nation's 424th national park. As St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson reports, the descendant-led and community-wide effort was years in the making. New Philadelphia sits along a strip of Illinois Route 2, roughly 25 miles east of Hannibal. The property is an open field with towering trees scattered throughout. The original structures are all but gone except for their foundations sitting beneath wooden homes from the 1800s, moved there from neighboring towns. But what has lasted are the stories passed down about the town's founders, the McWhorters, a last name full of history. One of the important powerful messages was really about the importance of family. That's Gerald McWhorter. He's the great-great-grandson of Frank and Lucy McWhorter. What Frank and Lucy did uh, was devote their lives, really, to making sure that, on the one hand, they provided a place for the family in Pike County in New Philadelphia. At the same time, uh, they devoted their economic activity to freeing family members out of slavery. In 1836, New Philadelphia became the first town in the nation to be legally registered and laid out by the formerly enslaved couple. Frank was born into slavery in 1777 in South Carolina. He and his owner, George McWhorter, eventually relocated to Pulaski County, Kentucky. Frank was able to hire out and save enough money to buy he and Lucy's freedom, along with 16 other family members. Sight unseen, Frank purchased 42 acres of land in Pike County, Illinois, that would become New Philadelphia. The town was stable until a group of white businessmen from Missouri pushed for a railroad to be constructed that would bypass the town. Christopher Fennell is a professor of anthropology and law at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. These white business people in the slave state of Missouri in 1857 did not want to see this thriving African-American town, which was a commercial hub, 
become an even more thriving depot town. And so they actually spent more money in bypassing it. The snub cut off further opportunities for economic growth, but that was just the beginning of the promising town's decline. Many residents left for large metropolitan areas like Chicago and Kansas City for work. New Philadelphia dissolved in 1885, but the McWhorter descendants and people in surrounding communities never forgot about New Philadelphia. The New Philadelphia Association, a group made up of descendants and community members, has worked to preserve the town. The site has received many National Historic designations. In December, the New Philadelphia National Historic Site became the 424th National Park. Gerald says this designation was a long time coming. The National Park Service is in the forever business. So while New Philadelphia had a moment where it could have gone away and been forgotten, now it never will be forgotten. The National Park Service is still in the early planning stages of what they have in store for the site. The New Philadelphia Association has already set up a visitor center, an augmented reality tour, and signage. And visitors come to the site even in its current form. A busload of 38 fourth graders from Western Elementary School in Barrie are here on a windy spring day. They're learning about little-known Illinois history, and one of the students, Isla Moss, is excited to see New Philadelphia. And then you look around and you all you just see is like fun, and you think about like what's been in the past and how they were and like like how they worked and how they lived. The National Park Service is still in the process of securing the rest of the land that made up New Philadelphia. The Park Service will also hold community conversations with stakeholders. In New Philadelphia, Illinois, I'm Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Jonathan All edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.